Hey, this is Dave Pryor. You're about to listen to the audio version of my podcast interview with Dan Eberly about how he uses an Obeya and Agile practices when he's making movies. Before you check out the podcast, I just want to let you know that we originally recorded it in video because as we go through the conversation, Dan shows his mural board and a lot of examples of the things he's talking about. Um, and you might want to check out the video version. There's still plenty of good content here in the audio one, but we originally did it in video, so I just wanted to make you aware of that. Also, in the show notes, you will find links to some photographs that Dan took uh, while he was on site making a film, um, examples of obeyas and things like that. So they're also really important. We just couldn't figure out how to work those into the actual conversation, but we wanted to make sure that they were available to you if you'd like to check it out. So that's it. I hope you enjoyed the interview. Thanks. Welcome to the Reluctant Agilist. We're doing video this time, and Dan Everly's back. Dan, thanks for taking time out of your day. Thanks for having me. For Dave. the second time, we're doing this a second time because I had some technical issues the first time. Um, so, uh, what we're going to talk about today is obeyas. So, if you don't know what that is, you should definitely stay tuned because you're probably using some form of it, and it could get better. But before we do that, um, Dan, would you mind telling these fine people who you are and what you do, and why you're sitting in a room full of fluorescent lights? <laughs> Hi everyone. My name is Dan. Uh, so I I do a bunch of different stuff. Um, I'm a filmmaker. Um, I'm a writer and producer, uh, and I'm also an agile coach. Uh, and I am an agile coach both as a consultant and for full time for the New York Times, uh, which you may have heard of. And uh, basically, I kind of think of what I do is leadership and collaboration coaching. And they use a lot of lean and agile tools and lots of other kinds of tools. And then okay. Dave and I are both students of Jim Benson, and I'm sure we'll mention him later yep. on. All right. And you are applying a lot of the practices that we talk about in agile into your – I don't want to call it a side hustle. That sounds really irritating. But your passion uh, – I think of the agile thing, coaching as my side hustle actually. But the, All right. No, that's really <laughs> – I think that's important because you're – so your identity is as a filmmaker and you're doing this other thing on the side. Hopefully the New York yeah, Times isn't a, watching this. Uh, I hope that they are. I hope that they are. <laughs> they, they, they actually like it when I do stuff like this. Okay. Um, so basically just very quickly like um, I don't really think of these different things that I do as being like sort of separate I think okay. of them as all kind of of a piece. And I'll just briefly say, because um, I could certainly talk about this for, for a long time, as you know, um, that a lot of what we look to accomplish uh, using different kinds of agile approaches and sort of the agile as a philosophical container for dealing with complex, difficult work mm -hmm. and being responsive to change, the same kinds of, of uh, the same kind of mental operating system is what we have to leverage in creative arts. So okay. I was a jazz musician for a long time um, and then uh, went, went into to acting and producing and, um, and all the rest. And a lot of the arts, all of the arts, unless it's like a solo art, um, involves working with people from other disciplines, mm -hmm. um, usually people that have a very different perspective than you, uh, but yet you're in a shared commitment environment. So it's about kind of converging all these different kinds of folks together to okay. accomplish a singular goal. Okay. All right. So I want to move towards that in a second, but I want to go back to okay. something you said a few minutes ago. So you said you don't keep these things separate. Uh, 
And I want to check in on this because I don't consider the work, the stuff that I do to be separate either. But I know there's a lot of people out there that are still in the, I have my work life and my personal life. Right, right. And I am at a place where it's all my work. Work, not in the sense that I have a job, but in someday I'll be dead. And all the things I created or was a part of building, whether that is my family or music or classes or software, whatever, mm-hmm. it's all the work that I was a part of. Mm-hmm. And I just, is that kind of how you are? Is it different the way you think of it or is that? Fairly similar. Uh, I, I probably it's I, I love that and I, I applaud that. Um, I think that um, I have a, a a slightly slightly more nuanced view, but I don't. Okay. Again, I, I do think of them as I don't mean I know that's the wrong. It sounded pejorative. What I mean to say is I have this different, slightly different way that I kind of slice it up than what you just described. Uh, so um, basically. There is there is the art, the, the purely creative mm-hmm. work that exists for its own sake. Right. And then there's everything else, which is okay. um, sort of sort of utilitarian scaffolding to make it possible for the the spontaneous art to, uh, art to occur. Yeah. Um, okay. Or not so spontaneous in the case of filmmaking, because there's a tremendous amount of preparation. So, um, so in that respect, the same kinds of scaffolding tools, processes, whatever right. um, that I they're the they're the same uh, for the creation of the art for its own sake, as well as what I would um, suggest for people that are in a more kind of transactional. Uh, kind of artisanal domain like software engineering or management and leadership or politics or whoever I was advising on, on, uh, on however they were trying to navigate a very complex domain. Okay. All right. I'm going to take so a second. I'm basically here. agreeing with you using different words. <laughs> I just want to just take a second just for everybody to acknowledge that you just referred to artisanal software development. <laughs> Hey, it is. If you've you've heard the old, it's a cliche now. But if we made cars the way we make software, every car would be different. Yep. So I, I artisanal <laughs> in the artisanship sense. So got the, it. Not in the like foodie sense. Uh, I don't know. It depends on if you consider food to be art. But I'm just uh, making fun of the word artisanal. It's fine. Okay. We can move on. All right. Let's move on. <laughs> All right, we do so, have to we have to finish at three. So. Yes. So, what is an obeya? Let's talk about obeyas because I this is something, and I mentioned this when we did the other one. Up until about a year ago, I never heard that word, and now it's like the word pivot or agile. Like I just can't get away from it. So, right. how would you explain? And I and I've been using a variation of them for a while, or parts of them. But how do you explain an obeya to somebody? Uh, simply put. An obeya is a place where you go to get any and all information that you need to okay. be successful in your endeavor or enterprise. Okay. Um, so it you it oftentimes it's a room filled with visualizations and and things, but it's a, it's an active space that is uh, that's used by the people that do that do the work and that manage the work and preside over the work and and also people who are interested in the work or invested in it in some way. Everyone is the way I think of it is everyone's invited, uh, okay. but it's it's an active space that we constantly maintain and we use to uh, basically stay aligned. So it's it's a kind of mission control. 
Okay. I like the fact that you said it's a space that we use because it's not just burn down charts and backlogs and crap up on the walls, but we're meeting with people there. We're collaborating there. We are, we are working on the system together to figure out how to create the things we're creating. Right. I, I, I use the term, this is, um, I think this may be a, um, kind of a fifth discipline uh, quote, but I think of it as like a a generative space. Like it's it's a space of generative learning, just generating new stuff. Um, When I think about what agility is for, or, or just like we could just say collaboration is for it's, it's to kind of create a new harmonic by putting these different voices together. It it creates a new thing. And that's what happens when you get people diverse, the right diverse professional people or the right people together um, and they make an interesting harmonic and it, and it creates a new, a new thing that wasn't there before we all got there and and sang our notes together. So, so for the, those of you that are listening, like just to make sure this is super locked in, we're not just talking about information radiators that sit up on a wall broadcasting, like pushing information out. We're talking about, about, about a space that has information available and it's a space where people come together to work on the thing together. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So the, the radiators aren't just radiators. They're, they're tools that we use to collaborate. Yeah. And I would go further in saying that when you're dealing with across disciplines, mm-hmm. um, the use of visualizations is is the thing. So most of these tools, in my view, are visual. There are there could be some lists. There could be ancillary documents and things. Just right. depends on what problems you're solving or with the domain the domain of your work. But um, but what I what I'm looking for when I design an obey or when I'm, I'm helping other people do it is what is the simplest um, set of visualizations that give us the information that we need and that we can, that we can use to communicate because especially in a global economy, such as we are, we've got people that uh, are working hard just to kind of understand what each other are saying. So anything that we can use to, to visually communicate is going to make that, that uh, bond all the stronger. Okay. And the, the key to responding to change is strong enabling connective constraints. Okay. Do you want to say more about that or do you want to go into how you use it for film? Oh, I'll simply I say I, this. I don't know if we should do one before the other. That's why I'm asking. <laughs> well, uh, no, I think we can, we can kind of do them a little bit in parallel in that okay. what we're looking to do is we're trying to connect the people mm-hmm. together. We want them to feel connected to each other, connected to the work, connected to the narrative of the flow of the work. And also be connected to how we're designing our approach to what's next. So these are these are the basic, and it sounds very abstract and broad the way we're talking about it, but it really is as simple as that. And um, depending on on what it is, the the nature of the work itself, you know, your professionalism, your skills, right, will be used to to do that to good effect. Okay, I think connecting to the work is a really big deal because a lot of people out there just have. I feel sad for all of these people, but there are a lot of people who just have jobs that they go do right. and they don't understand the, the narrative, as you mentioned, or the story behind it or how it impacts right. the world. In the same way, that guy that was sweeping in NASA said you help put men on the moon. Like he saw he had a different understanding of his work than just sweeping the floor. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was, again, another Peter Senge quote is, uh, you know, if I know what kind of table and how this table will be used, I will wipe it off differently. 
uh, whether it's an operating table or some greasy lunch table in high school. Okay. I guess that, that one doesn't, doesn't really get wiped off. But, uh, but the point being that <laughs> you push the stuff around, push the germs yeah, around. Push it. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, but anyway, but yeah, that, that sort of sense of context impact, you know, okay. it was Alistair Coburn and I've been saying this a lot lately, Alistair Coburn, um, um, is, has been quoted as saying that if you focus on skills, community right. and communication over processes and tools, mm-hmm. you will absolutely be ready for change. You will be more agile. Okay. Yeah. As a result. And that's right. what we're looking for in creative endeavors, such as the one that we're about to talk about. All right. So how have you been able to apply this stuff in your work of creating films? Yes. So um, we've always used visualizations to communicate in film. We use uh, things like storyboards and overheads. Um, but filmmaking is obviously it's, it's quite old and there's very established norms and practices in independent filmmaking, particularly around the sort of um, the, you know, the democratizing effects of the digital revolution right. kind of started in the 90s. And, have, and now it's like, you know, everybody with an iPhone is a cinematographer, you know, we we're sort of in a new, a new world. And it's, it's not unlike the kind of availability of capability that that all kinds of technologists and just people trying to do anything have today. So, um, so with that, um, we're trying to find a way to harness that to, um, basically, I don't want to say do more with less, but ultimately, when you're doing um, when you're making an independent film, you're right. typically very constrained by money. Uh, also, you're constrained by time and, and just availability of people. Um, there's just not as many of us. We do more things. Uh, but instead of sort of railing against that or trying to efficientize our way through it, right. what we're looking to do is turn it into a strength. So one okay. of the things that, you know, um, well, one of one of many truths that that has been uh, established many times over is just the the notion that when you have a smaller group of people, mm-hmm. they can move faster. They can move faster. They can make decisions faster because communication is less complex. There are fewer um, vectors, possible vectors of communication. Okay. Um, so, so like me to you, that's basically it can go this way or it can go that way, and so it's, right pretty direct, right? Yep. It's easy to stay aligned and yet we still have a really hard time staying aligned because as soon as we split off and do our thing, we're kind of in our own heads again. Um, now when you add a few more people, the, the, the possible variables, yeah, it just, it becomes exponentially more challenging. So, okay. Um, so in the making of this film, which we've been shooting for approximately nine months now, um, we've been using, uh, been introducing a lot of uh, lean and agile tools, and and kind of molding them to our needs. So we have a okay. we have a a challenge, we have a thing we want to do, and how can we basically uh, do it? And I happen to be a practicing agile coach, so I have right. access to lots of devices. But what I also know from being an agile coach is that if you just show up with a big hot dog cart of processes and tools, it's not gonna help. you are going to annoy everybody yeah. and they're probably not going to do any of it <laughs> or okay. they're going to zombie their way through it and do their own thing. And okay. so, um, so I, we started with a story that we were all excited about 
So okay. we sort of assembled a motivated group of people, uh, are, you know, motivated to accomplish uh, a thing together. Yep. And so that's sort of, you know, the um, core kind of uh, team design uh, from our, our Agile manifesto, okay. um, you know, assembling a team around uh, motivated in, in individuals. And so that's what we started with. Um, and I'll just show you, like, Wait, basically... Wait, I want to ask, I have a question before you... Before you oh, sure. Is it okay? Um, I'm supposed yeah, to interrupt him periodically to yes. ask questions. <laughs> just so Because I'm going to derail it a little bit. But um, when we talk about using something like Scrum, I, I always say that, you know, Scrum's job is to help you get as close to predictable as you can by getting a team to be cross-functional and self-organized. And now all the Kanban people are laughing. Um, but, I am too. <laughs> but it's going to surface certain things. Like you would, you would hire it to yes. solve a problem. How do I get this group of people yes. to consistently deliver in this time box? Mm -hmm. um, I imagine that making an independent film is kind of like trying to hold water in your hands. Like it's just you show up and everything's going to go sideways. And that's the only thing you know is that stuff's not going to go the way you thought it would. And you need people there who can handle mm -hmm. that. So it's almost like a startup environment, I'm guessing. A lot of chaos. Uh, so you maybe, know, maybe I that's define, what, what I'm trying to get to is like, what problem do you want it to solve when you bring Agile in here? Yeah. Like, what's it going to fix for you? So I have I, uh, me and my my little cohort of filmmakers, we've we've done this a bunch of times now. So okay. this will be my uh, seventh feature film that I produced on my own, not including okay. the ones that I've worked on uh, other people's things. And so I uh, I have a lot of experience at this point. Um, and basically, here's what I'll say is that that sort of cl the classic filmmaking paradigm in in my personal opinion, and this is just this is just my editorialization here. I consider that traditional filmmaking is a very siloed endeavor. It is very much okay. about stay in your lane, do your one skill, right. and don't worry about what's happening over there. Now, that's not 100% the case mm -hmm. um, all the time. And that I actually think that, and perhaps I just haven't uh, penetrated this level of uh, eliteness in the filmmaking industry, that I think that you probably, that probably changes when you okay. kind of get up into that that upper echelon, um, but a lot of uh, film and TV production is about you got a job to do. You got to do that job really mm -hmm. good. There's a lot of stakes uh, appended there, and so it's a kind of an. It makes sense that it's a naturally siloed thing. What you and I both know, um, having a fair amount of experience in traditional project management, is right. that project management like that can work. It's just very overhead intensive. Yeah. So waterfall, you know, regardless of just thinking of just generally speaking, mm -hmm. um, it it's perfectly logical and it can work in many contexts. Um, yeah. You can make it work, you know, but it requires a tremendous amount of management and oversight mm -hmm. and just it's a, it's very overhead intensive. Now, yeah. that doesn't mean that uh, the agile sort of um, analogy to that to that approach is completely without overhead or without right. mistakes or without inefficiency or whatever the issue is. But the, it's really just different tools for different jobs. So in an independent film, it's a little bit, at least in my films, uh, what we're trying to harness is a lot of sponta spontaneity okay. and a lot of generative 
learning, you know? So we're trying to actually generate something um, beyond what's on, what's just on the page or what's just been planned. We okay. make the plan and then we really want to create an environment that's catalytic in nature so that we can capture something that we, that is, that is different and hopefully better than what we okay. expected. So, okay. um, so it's a different tool for a different job, but what that, what that means is having a smaller unit mm-hmm. and a, and a framework that allows that kind of energy to flow. Yeah. That, it, that is something that is not stage gated, but okay. it's something that is, that is more like water. And so that's so, what we're going for. And that's what we're trying to solve for. So is it that these processes that we're about to talk about, and you're going to show examples of, they facilitate the spontaneity by creating the structure in which it can occur. That's the idea. That okay. is exactly it. That's the scaffolding yeah. that, okay. I, that we use to kind of create uh, the conditions yep. for that to occur. It doesn't mean it always happens, but it means the conditions are there. Okay. Also, a big part of this and a big, a big connective enabling constraint, that weird buzzword sounding thing that I said earlier – Availability of information, uh-huh. a sense of context, a sense of impact is, is an extremely uh, motivating thing for people. It gives them a sense that they're here for a reason. And, okay. and, they, and it's not just a sense of they know that they are here for a reason and this is the reason. Yeah. And this is what we are attempting to do. And that has a, con- uh, a connective, highly moralizing effect. So is that like it's not just your job is to set up the food table? But why do we have the food table? Why do we need sure. that? How does it help us make the film? Because everybody's part of making the film. Exactly. Okay. All right. And a big part of this work is visualizing things. It is. That's the key yes. for the for the visual aids. Oh, yes. So <laughs> All right. So here comes some visual aids. So here again, um, so we started production in the heat of the pandemic or actually kind of the tail end of the, okay. you know, around the time when people were getting vaxxed and stuff and it was kind of safe yeah. to come out. Um, and so, so we, we started with a lot of, of prep there's always prep. Um, and we have, we have, um, pretty steady, regular cadence of, of meetings to discuss. We have sort of a core unit, of people that are, um, you know, our, our producers, um, kind of art department folks. Uh, my wife is one of the, the producers of the film. Um, and then, um, you know, our, our cinematographer. And so consequential people from, from different aspects of the filmmaking, we come together, we talk about kind of what is happening, what's next, et cetera. So okay. you could think of it kind of like a, a daily standup, although it is not daily at this time. Okay. Um, so, but it all starts with, um, we'll start with this, uh, basic visualization of the entire film. So this isn't something that we necessarily look at every day, but we, I wanted there to be some kind of visual representation of literally every, everything that happens in the movie itself okay. from beginning all the way to end. And what the, <laughs> there you go. And then it's over. Um, and so, so with this, we have an, a, a kind of an overhead view, uh, God's eye view of what we've actually finished, mm-hmm. uh, maybe what we're not going to do, um, okay. you know, what, you know, if there's anything that we're still evaluating, uh, because as I said, the making of the film, well, it's dragged on for a very long time, much longer than any other project I've done. Right. Um, 
you know, we're also using that as an opportunity to really inspect and adapt, you know, the, the so story. So you're changing your, your method as you – oh, you're, okay, the story. But is it also – Less about, about method, more about okay. the – yeah. Like the, the third act, ha, like sort of was one thing when we started and then as, has recently just turned into a whole other thing. And, and what we're able to do because we're moving in these sort of chunks, which I'll describe in a, in a minute – is that um, it enables us to do that to good effect. In some cases, there are certain things that we can't do um, that we kind of painted ourselves into a bit of a corner. Um, but we also can do a lot. And this is also the nature of the story. It's a very epic thing. It, it takes place over many years. Okay. So there's a, a kind of, uh, epi- I don't want to say episodic because it's the worst kind of plot, but uh, there is a kind of, um, there are eras in the story. So that makes it makes interesting things possible. Okay. So this would be the equivalent of having like a board where you're moving things across the board, except you've actually been able to create the linear narrative aspect of it as well. I kind of think of this, um, I think of this as, um, le- we have actual boards, so right. it's not dynamic, like a, like a, well, a board, board in that so- you're, you've got a way of indicating when a thing is done and not done on here. Gets a star that, on it. That is done. true. Okay. That is true. Yes. So this is sort of our, our, uh, ultimate, um, Kind of, um, if we if we have a uh, if there is a roadmap, mm-hmm. sort of uh, yeah. you know an, an overall yeah. product goal type roadmap. Right. Hopefully, I'm using that word right. I still don't know what that means. Um, <laughs> we could spend hours. Then, yeah, I know. Uh, th- then we have this, so we th- we're always coming back to this periodically, but it's not necessarily our day to day work board. Okay. Um, so this is this is the whole film, and we also used this in the early stages when I was working with my producer Amy Smith. Um, we we were kind of pre-editing the script. We were looking at different ways that we could um, kind of uh, different non-linear approaches to how to present the story to okay. create um, more dynamic uh, energy or, or whatever we were after. So it was actually th- this this visualization it started as a physical board and then became digital because, you know. So now I'm wondering that. if there's something like this for Memento where you could actually like understand the story in order instead of. I, you know that that's <laughs> out there. That is one Google search away for you. Um, so this is the the ultimate story map for the entire picture. Okay. Over here, what we have, uh, and this is usually when we start our, our production meetings, we start with kind of this, what I would consider to be kind of a general portfolio Kanban. Okay. So this is showing us sort of, you know, you could, depending on how you think of it, you could think of these as sort of epics. Mm-hmm. Um these are um, kind of big, major aspects of the project, um, and there used to be some sort of color coding for these, but I think that they, that's probably okay. uh, we've probably forgotten about it. But uh, in any case, this is sort of our high level, like okay, you know, how is you know how's the battleship uh, moving across the sea, right? Kind of a thing. Um, we also have um, what I have largely retired, uh, but this is sort of like an archival board of like all the things that we did and different kinds of things. I didn't, um, if I was coaching myself and my team, I would mm-hmm. probably, um, use the done state differently than we are here in that I would, I would probably represent it differently just so that we could have more visual retrospection. So these um, are all done anyway, things here in the, like, can you ex- yeah. just mention what these four quadrants are? Uh, this is basically like categories of types of work. Um, uh, but this was, this was a little more useful when we were right, 
before we really got started with production. Mm -hmm. So this was like lining up, um, you know, um, locations and and people and, and kind of, uh, resources and stuff. So, you know, it's funny, you know, the other day you, you, you had on, um, the guy talking about agile manufacturing and, Mm -hmm. um, I can't remember the gentleman's name. Michael. Um, Yeah. Thank you. Um, let me say Michael Grill. There we go. Oh, there we go. That sounds more like working it. On my um, and one of the things that was kind of interesting that he was talking about was that there is a kind of sequence dependency with uh-huh. agile manufacturing that maybe isn't um, isn't present in a lot of complex knowledge work like just pure software. And the True. reason why is you're not bound by earthly constraints. Well, in filmmaking, you are. <laughs> so there's we still got to like get everyone into a 15 passenger van and drive them to New Jersey, and you know there are earthly and the light sun's going to go down at some point, things like that. Exactly. Yeah. So we have a lot of um, a lot of, of of hard constraints that we have to deal with and navigate, but there's lots and lots of ways to do it. So it's a it's a complicated problem to solve, and as we all know. Uh, diverse teams solve problems better than, than Small one guy. Small diverse teams. Yes. Yes. So anyway, so we'll go through kind of what's happening. We kind of take a, a, a view um, into the future. So um, we have a, a little bit of a backlog. This isn't every single thing that's left. Actually, this might be every single thing that's left. Um, but in any case, it didn't used to be. Uh, I used to kind of load our, our backlog with just a mm-hmm. small – kind of um, what we could probably do in the next month kind of thing. But we're actually about 70, 75% done. So I think that okay. there's not much left. Um, but in any case, this so How this often does this get board. updated? Um, this gets updated after, uh, typically after every sprint. And I will define what a sprint means for us. Okay. So um, before I do, I'll just stop sharing for just a sec. Um, and there we go. Um, so basically, you know, in a, in a typical, um, scrum type situation, mm-hmm. you know, scrum is designed to deal with, uh, lots of, uh, the unknown we're trying, we're trying to navigate through this jungle. Um, and so things like the ceremonies of, of scrum right. help give us a sense of orientation. So yeah. among other things, uh, but there's a certain, like, I know this is going to happen every day. I know this is going to happen every couple weeks, et cetera. Right. And so these are things that, um, Regardless of whether we're leveraging these events to the best of our ability or, right. you know, whatever, um, there's a certain comfort that we humans feel in having some sort of predictability. Sure. So even if the work itself is all over the place, if it's really crazy, if we're, we might be working in, like I have people here at the Times that, that work in, in games, it's very experimental. Right. Um, and it's a lot of fun. And so, so process is, is, not that always that useful skills are really useful process less so um however there are also teams that are more like a fire department and Mm -hmm. those folks they they do need processes and checklists and things like that so it sort of depends on your context okay so the way that so sprints can 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 be really good for uh sort of lab work things where you need to kind of go into a private space and try some things and, and maybe come out later and, and show people what you did. Right. Uh, in our case, the way that we define a sprint is it's it's any um, it is a predetermined amount of time, mm-hmm. and there are certain things that need to occur within it. So within within that uh, definition, it's it is basically a scrum sprint. The difference is is that we're not doing like a steady 
week over week or every two weeks kind of cycle. It's okay. more like we plan a block of things and that okay. we call a sprint and then we do it. So whether that is a weekend or two weeks or whatever. Exactly. So and we've that, had sprints. And, and, mm. Sorry, you're not. Okay. You're not overly concerned with the predictability thing of like, what is our velocity? I mean, the time box is shifting. Right. You're just trying to make sure everything's accounted for and gets done. Yeah. And the reason why, so if we were, if we were a television show and this was sort of a long-term thing that was designed to be resilient and last forever, I mean, we want Law and Order in New York Times. Right. So if, if we were doing law and order, we we would be looking at things like, OK, what's you know, let's look at some metrics. Let's look sure. at some things that we know we can sort of automate in some fashion. Right. Um, and so in that respect, efficiency metrics and things like that are very handy because the nature of what we're doing, it's not totally experimental. It's a you know, it's a genre film. Um, and there are certain things that we can predict because we've done them a lot. Right. There's lots of things we really can't predict. So instead of trying to do that. We, we give ourselves this much time okay. or sometimes money just gives us this much time. <laughs> so okay. it's like, we've got this place for a week. What can we accomplish? Right. And then it becomes an issue. Uh, you know, a lot of times when people teach scrum, maybe even you do this, Dave, is you talk about the iron triangle <clears throat> and sort of the fallacy of the iron triangle when working in complex work yep. in, in the world of scrum, you, you have your time and mm-hmm. you have your, um, cost, you know, you pay the team X, you got a two week sprint. It's the scope that varies. That's, that's the the kind of the ultimate leverage point. And so part of our planning is, okay, well, what do we definitely need to do? What prioritization is really important. Okay. What would we love to do? Yeah. And it's, it's less about a stack ranking type prioritization than really like an understanding of possibilities and, and And common understanding across everybody. Right. Exactly. So I have some examples using Myobea. Uh, so um, let's let me just look it up here. Um, so this is going to be this was a, a pretty long uh, shoot that we did at a um, kind of a abandoned um, apartment. Um, okay. It was like a floor of uh, of this big industrial loft. And so basically the first thing we do, so I'll just kind of take you through the process. The first thing we do, we have kind of a pre-production Kanban of just things we got to get done. And it's literally, it could be anything. Um, But I mean, there are specific things that we always have to do, you know, anything from arranging wardrobe, um, you know, uh, sound engineers uh, and, and, you know, other kind of emergent work. So this obviously happened a long time ago. So everything's over here and done. But yep. uh, there's just like things to do. And so we'll have like a pretty frequent meeting where we look at this and we kind of work this board. And usually there's we associate, um, you know, colors with with specific uh, aspects of things. This was a big location. Uh, I wish I, if it was on my other computer, I'd show you some pictures of it. But it was a big location that required a lot of art direction. And so there's okay. a lot of art uh, department prep. So the first thing we do is we, we set this up and we start doing things. Um, part of the conversation that informs that is this overhead of the location itself. Mm-hmm. So that's usually um, a big part of the conversation is kind of determining, you know, where we're going to shoot uh, things, what that's going to look like, how we need to address those areas, you know, okay. what's going to happen, et cetera. Um, in this particular location, we had a lot of pages to shoot. 
So um, what I did was I took all of the um, – actually, I think maybe Amy did this. Uh, we took all the scenes, um, and we kind of just put them in order. Um, and so here we have – In, in order in which you're going to shoot them or in like a narrative order? Like, I'm this is actually same, like right? narrative sequence okay. uh, because you don't shoot them in order. And right. it's very easy to get confused and lost, especially okay. when things start getting crazy. Um, so we we always have a visualization that puts everything in order so that we can just know and look at a glance. Okay. And so what you see here are these are little um, sort of scene headers that tell you of that scene number and kind of where they are and briefly what happens. And then we kind of mark them off as done. So this is just a basic okay. to-do list, but it also is helping give us orientation in story order. Yeah. Because the other thing that's happening, because we tend our sprints tend to be contained by the location itself, is okay. that we're probably in in the in movie time, we're probably jumping out of this timeline to do other scenes, you know, to see yep. other scenes as a viewer. And then we're back in here and now this is happening and then we're in and out. And so again, it's very easy to get confused. So we always want to have some kind of listicle order map of to show you where just, you are. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. So this All is right. the the narrative map. Now, we also, if you, and, and Dave, you're an expert in this, when you're planning a sprint, right. a sprint is more than just picking the tickets that you want to see done. You have to create a plan to deliver on the sprint goal. Yes. So uh, the same is true for us. That, by the way, we're, we're laughing because it's like the thing that nobody does, right? <laughs> or frequently they doesn't, should. doesn't they acknowledge. Should. They yeah. should. It really helps. So, so once we sort of have this order of things and we all kind of understand what we're doing and we can, we can use this overhead to kind of talk through exactly what's going on, uh, both, uh, from a movie making standpoint, as well as like a narrative and action standpoint, okay. you know, we can create like little proxies for people and have them walk around the map. And it's just a, it's a good, it's always good to have some kind of like visual aid to, to walk people through this because everyone's thinking something else. Like the person who's going to set up the lunch tables, wondering if they can do it over here or if we're going to be shooting in this direction, you know, it's like, it could be everything from the stunt coordinator and how they're going to set up some kind of uh, big sequence to, you know, um, just basic logistical stuff, lighting things, camera things, et cetera. So, um, so we're having that basic conversation. And then what we're going to do is come over here and actually um, break down what is happening each day? So okay. um, here's and this sort of happens. I'm, I'm kind of jumping from one screen to another, but I'll just I'll just say that this happens in parallel. Okay. We've got um, the sprint plan for the week, and we do no more than one week for a sprint because it's just too much otherwise. Okay. Um, so this was broken into two weeks, and so basically what we're seeing here this this is this is immediately analogous to what's happening over here. So I'm basically taking cards and I'm just picking the day that we're going to do a thing. Um, So having this plan and then in addition, we have this plan. So these are the sequence of key things that must be captured for each one of these. So this is one scene. This is one card and this is everything that needs to occur. To make that, these are, you could think of it as the sort of the uh, narrative acceptance criteria. <laughs> Would this um, be like parallel the, these, to like in a storyboard? You'd have a picture for each one of these shots, or is that different? Um, so that level of storyboarding, it, it depends on the the type of film, the type of thing. Okay. Um, for certain things like big action sequences, yeah. it's like a ballet, and so mm-hmm. you actually want to kind of really design that in a very intentional okay. way. 
if it's more about like people interacting in a space, depending on, on sort of your style of filmmaking, you may want to just give actors a lot of room. So having too much, yeah, micromanagement can be very constraining. There is a certain improvisatory element that we try to maintain always. So we always try to give ourselves as much room as we can because there's already so many constraints, you know? Um, So anyway, um, so we'll have for each one of these days, there is, you know, there's a couple of things that need, these are a couple of scenes that we need to do Four scenes and for this day, um, you know, this is what each of those scenes consist of. So we've got one okay. big meaty one here, a less meaty one, et cetera. But just the number of cards, the number of beats in a card don't necessarily indicate um, the level of complexity of the thing. So, so there's um, no sizing in any – none of this stuff is sized. It's just you looking at it saying, I think we can get all that done on Saturday. Um, well, that's kind of where we're, we're varying scope is if we have to do it like this, we could do it like this. Ideally, we would do it like that instead. Got it. So, um, so, you know, it, it, the, the sizing aspect that there are so many variables involved in that yeah. it's very, very difficult to know for sure. Um, how long that things are going to take. So you also sometimes. have to be able to make a lot of like, at the moment decisions like audibles yeah. you're going to have to call. And, and part of the yes. structure that you've created here gives you the freedom to, to be able to do that. Because if you didn't have the structure and the narrative and all the other stuff, any <clears throat> one decision could send the whole thing off the edge of a cliff and make it not even viable. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So this is one of those things where having these visualizations available and we have an, uh, again, I, I sadly don't have the pictures available, but we have, on set, we have an Obeya that's a, it's a big Kanban that's showing what we are doing, what's next, what's okay. done, what we've slipped or what we've decided not to do. Um, we've got these maps of, um, you know, of the, the beat boards, of the, sure. the beats that we need to capture, um, and, you know, and then just kind of our, our daily plan. So it's all there for people to see, as well as overheads and, um, you know, other kinds of visualizations that we might need. So this is all... Um, so the whole crew has all, access to this? Everybody, it's right by the lunch table. Okay. So lunch is more than just lunch. Uh, and snacks and crafty. It's also a place where we invite people to come and see what we're doing, so that okay. they can share in the in the inclusion. Uh, now, creating that kind of environment is actually um, it's 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 not just nice and pleasant. It's also very practical because now okay. even the the actors and the sound guy and everybody else have immediate access. Yeah, they don't even need to go and ask anybody. They can just check it out for themselves. Okay. Now, when you're doing this on site. Is it in Miro or is it like post-its on a wall? Like how do they get to see it? So it's a, um, it's a combination of things. So we have a physical board with actual stickies that are moving across the board. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have a, an iPad that has Miro up and then the laptop that has probably other Miro okay. stuff up. So it's a combination of all those things. Mm-hmm. We also sometimes have printouts of some of these things, but I'm okay. not a fan of that because you can't change them. You have right. to like, you Go can mark things off. Them. Sure. Yeah, it's it's just less useful. So some things it, it's not bad to have a printout, but um, Miro is best because it's we can change it pretty easily. So that's okay. the main thing is that we always want process uh, and tools to be as simple and malleable as they can be. 
Okay. So you've got all this stuff in one place. Everybody can see it. And that's part of how they're going to learn to collaborate. And you're going to work with them to make sure that you're making this film and creating all the stuff you need to create. And without this, yeah, there would be a lot of confusion. Well, without this, what we have is we have people that need to ask a lot of questions. And that slows uh, so things have, down. It really does. And that the problem is, is that if, if, if you have to ask me, hey, Dan, what's next again? Uh, and I'm doing something else right now. Right. I have to context shift to your question, probably answer it incorrectly, then, uh, you know, <laughs> do a whole cognitive reboot to get back to what I was to doing or yeah. whatever I was thinking about. Yeah. And it just creates a tremendous amount of consternation. It's just very okay. frustrating for everybody. And that is not conducive to that catalytic right. environment. Because you want things to just flow. Okay. Yeah. So this is, this enables people to participate in the flow and we can make decisions um, in a more um, modeling the system or modeling mm -hmm. a process is a way to objectify problems so that we can actually look at them together okay. and not look through them at each other and say, this that's is really fault, important <laughs> that you're side yeah. by side looking at it together. Okay. So there's exactly. a lot of, we're all on the same side of the table. Yeah. It's not just having a way to track the stuff. It's a way of creating opportunities for collaboration. Absolutely. Because okay. you never know. You never know. And yeah. a lot of times seeing things together, having the same view of reality and saying, you know what? What if we just did X? Yeah. Oh, you know, I didn't think of that. You know, yeah. I'm glad that we're talking about this. Another important thing about this that then I, I hope that all of my agile friends out there and, and agile aspirants uh, hear this <laughs> is that articulation is part of the thought process. Yeah. If you're not talking through things, you're not fully thinking them through. Oh, and that's good. complexity okay. requires collaboration. Okay. We don't navigate complexity very well on our own because there's no one to talk to about it. Right. And we so we're not thinking through things. Yeah. yeah we got to have that. And so even if you can only collaborate with one person, that's, that's really, even if they, can only offer you a sounding board that is better than just keeping it all in your head. Yeah. Cool. Well, this was great. If, um, and it's a lot, I mean, we could go on for hours, but, um, yes, I have much more to show, but we'll stop there. Well, if people <laughs> want to get in touch with you, what's the best way that they can reach out to you and, and say, Hey Dan, you should give a talk at a conference about this. Sure. So I'm available <laughs> to do that. Uh, and you can reach me on LinkedIn, okay. uh, Dan Everly, E-B-E-R-L-E, uh, -E -E, and see the non-existent show notes for... Um, there will be show comments. notes. Okay, good. All right, I'll great. make show notes. <laughs> yes, I'm, uh, I love uh, talking about this stuff with people. I do uh, a bit of part-time consulting. I'm obviously largely occupied, but I am always looking for uh, opportunities to, to bring these kinds of tools and practices, particularly into uh, domains where uh, where collaboration can really help or okay. it's very, very difficult and it doesn't have to be technology, doesn't have to be media. Those are the ones that I have the most experience in, but I've also used this in lots of other kinds of contexts as well. Okay. And so, um, yeah. So please reach out. I'm cool. here for you, America. <laughs> Thanks, man. This is great. Appreciate right. it. Thank you, Dave. Watch